You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Later in the program, Governor Eric Holcomb focused on the economy, education, and the COVID-19 pandemic during last night's annual State of the State address. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, Futurist Follies on Better Beware, your consumer watchdog segment on WFHB Community Radio. More following today's feature. But first, your environmental news brief. From WFHB and after a week-long break, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, January 12th. I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. The Environmental Protection Agency has begun shutting down coal-burning power plants in the states of Ohio, Iowa, and Indiana. The power plant affected in Indiana is the Clifty Creek Power Plant in Madison. The reason that Clifty Creek and other power plants are being shut down is due to the toxic wastewater lakes that are a byproduct of the plants and frequently leak into the groundwater or nearby streams. The substance found in the wastewater lakes is coal ash, which is a toxic mix of arsenic, mercury, and other potentially dangerous heavy metals that can result in both illness and death in wildlife and humans. While this is a good step in stopping the pollution, a recent study by multiple utility companies throughout the United States has found that contamination from coal plants is a widespread problem, occurring from the East Coast to Alaska. According to Scrubhub and the Indianapolis Star, now is the best time for Hoosiers to get their chance to see one of the United States' greatest conservation successes, the bald eagle. Ever since the U.S. bald eagle population reached its lowest number 50 years ago, the species has been protected and reintroduced in numerous states, including Indiana. They now live in large numbers along the tributaries of the upper Mississippi River and other bodies of water. This includes a sizable population around Lake Monroe. Now is the best time to see the birds because they are easier to spot in the winter as there are fewer leaves on the trees. The birds are also more numerous due to many of the eagles traveling south to escape some of the northern cold weather. There are bald eagle nests all over the state, so keep your eyes on the sky and you might be able to catch a glimpse of one. A report from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association has found that during 2021, the United States was impacted by 20 climate disasters that caused over $1 billion of damage each, making it the third costliest extreme weather year on record. These include such notable events as the Mayfield, Kentucky tornado and Texas's frigid cold electrical power blackout. Similarly, this year saw Colorado's most destructive wildfire in its history resulting in $10 billion worth of damage. 
Around half of the entire United States population was impacted, often unknowingly, by a drought during most of last year. This report comes out at a time when President Joe Biden is trying once again to get West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin to support the climate and environmental policies found in Biden's Build Back Better plan. Scientists predict that extreme weather events will become more frequent if climate change is not efficiently addressed. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. Bloomington Commission on Sustainability welcomed Bloomington resident David Maynard to the commission at the January 11th meeting. There are still vacancies, and the chair of the commission, Nigel Routsong, encouraged interested individuals to apply. During public comment, Donald Eggert from the Bloomington Environmental Commission also discussed vacancies on their commission and wanted to inform the Commission on Sustainability about some outreach they could be doing with the help of outreach coordinator Jillian Field. And uh, so we're looking to also uh, looking for people to fill in, uh, uh, people who left at the end of last month. Um, so we have, you know, four positions are open. I don't know which, uh, if they're all council or uh, mayoral, I'm, I'm not aware of uh, who appointed them. Commission member Matt Flaherty updated the commission on the Bloomington City Council's upcoming decision on whether or not to cut back on committees. Flaherty said he did not want the city council to get rid of the Climate Action Resilience Committee. There's a resolution um, on our agenda for tomorrow night that would eliminate a number of current standing committees. Um, the very short of it is there's a roughly even split among council members about their utility and, and uh, how we should be using them. Uh, I'll note it's a common procedural mechanism that most legislative bodies use, but there's a feeling among um, some members also that uh, we're small enough or uh, involved enough that, that all matters should be handled by all nine members um, all the time. Uh, and, and we do that through a mechanism called committee of the whole. Uh, so that's technically a committee meeting, but it looks a lot like a council meeting because it's all nine members and we're technically reporting back to ourselves. Um, so anyway, lots of, of fun, in-depth uh, <laughs> procedural issues. Uh, the, the implications for um, BCOS are really only that um, the Climate Action and Resilience Committee is uh, among those uh, slated to uh, be abolished tomorrow in, the, in a resolution. Uh, I actually developed an amendment uh, to preserve that along with two other committees, the administration and um, uh, what's the other one? Oh, land use committee uh, for for um, for this year's work, um, acknowledging that that uh, a five four majority of, of the council does not prefer to use committees for uh, handling pending legislation. And that's that's fine. But I think committees can have other important uses, including, again, uh, working more proactively on on developing legislation or developing, um, you know, procedural reforms, for instance, with the administration committee. So the Climate Action Resilience Committee in particular, I feel strongly should uh, remain in place uh, because we've got a recently approved climate action plan uh, that has an eight year implementation time period. Uh, there are a lot of legislative um, issues in that climate action plan that the council by itself does not have uh, the staff capacity or uh, simply hours uh, among ourselves as part-time uh, representatives to fully develop and implement. 
Commission member Colin Murphy agreed, saying that eliminating committees is an inherently political move he does not support. I'm quite disturbed by it, frankly. Um, I think it would be a mystery to the situation to think that it was just a political, a procedural move. I'm not saying that you you have said this, Matt, per se, but I think that this is more than just a procedural move because any any kind of action to eliminate something like the Climate Action and Resilience Committee on a city council um, is a political move, like inherently, in my opinion. And so I'm concerned about the move and I oppose it. And so I'll be supporting that, your your resolution. And I would also move that we, anyone, any commissioners on this call today who are interested in sort of supporting Matt's efforts um, at council tomorrow to retain the Climate Action Resilience Committee that we kind of communicate and maybe organize just a little bit for tomorrow. The next Bloomington Commission on Sustainability meeting will be held on February 8th. There are more people hospitalized with COVID-19 in Indiana than at any other point during the pandemic. However, during Governor Eric Holcomb's State of the State address on Tuesday, things seemed relatively normal. Last year, the governor pre-recorded the annual address without an audience due to the transmissibility of COVID-19 and safety concerns surrounding the January 6th Capitol riot. In a packed House chamber, Holcomb touted the state's economy while dodging topics that have caused division between the governor and Republican lawmakers, including legislation that would require employers to allow exemptions from COVID-19 workplace vaccine requirements. Among the highlights of the night, the governor blustered the state's economy. He said Indiana's reputation is synonymous with sound fiscal management. When it comes to our strong economy, we've earned it. Sound fiscal management over time has become our state's reputation. We've produced nine straight, honestly balanced budgets since 2005. And from June of 2017 to June of 2021, We've reduced our debt by 24%. Thank you, Senator Mishler and Doc Brown. Our discipline has led to record revenue and reserves. And we remain one of just one of 13 states that has received a AAA credit rating from all three primary rating agencies. We closed the 2021 fiscal year with $3.9 billion in reserves. So we put an extra $1.1 billion toward our obligation to our teacher's pension fund, and we're sending back $545 million to Hoosier taxpayers in the form of an automatic taxpayer refund. He claims that the state is a prospect for future investors and has seen a rise in GDP since he has taken office. Our rigorous oversight of taxpayer money has solidified Indiana's distinction as a place of investment certainty and stability, predictability, and continuity. 
that our families and our businesses, they love it. And even our neighbors envy it. Among every state we border, Indiana now ranks number one in GDP growth from 2015 to 2020. In fact, our GDP has grown from $353 billion in 2017 to now $415 billion at a rate outpacing Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, and Kentucky. Despite low teacher wages in Indiana, Holcomb boasted record high increases in spending on education in last year's budget. So herein lies our most pressing challenge, I think. With more than 150,000 current job openings posted and a record number of new jobs coming, we need to ensure all Hoosier students and workers can and ultimately will fill them. That starts in the classroom, which is why with your support, the budget passed last session, we made historic investments in education. We're investing a record $1.9 billion in new dollars for K through 12. That's over the biennium, and we're increasing the K-12 tuition support formula by 9%, which is more than $1 billion. That investment is already paying big dividends. More than 85% of school corporations have raised teacher base salaries by an average of nearly $1,800 in the 2020-2021 school year, and 99% are expected to raise salaries in the current school year. According to the National Education Association, Indiana ranks 38th in the nation for average teacher salary. Average teacher salary in Indiana is $53,000 per year, while the national average for K-12 teachers is $64,500 per year. State Senator Greg Taylor, a Democrat, calls the governor's claims shorthanded he says the governor has promised higher teacher salaries before. Senate Democrats have had multiple proposals to com complete and compete and have rec recommendations to the governor's own commission that would create $100 million a year to get teacher pay raises. That's not spending any extra money. The governor avoided mentioning two proposed bills in the state house that would give parents more authority on classroom curriculum and prohibit various teachings on race and sex. He also dodged talking about several legislative efforts to limit or prohibit vaccine mandates. Holcomb closed the speech on the topic of COVID-19. He said more than 19,000 Indiana residents have died from the virus, and he urged residents to get vaccinated and boosted. Finally, I couldn't give a state of a state address without giving an update on COVID and the extraordinary personal toll it's had on our families. To date, more than 19,000 Hoosier lives have been lost. More than live in Huntington, Crawfordsville, or Jasper. 
Hospitals are diverting patients in search of available beds. The number of ICU beds in use is almost at an all-time high, and it's difficult to find one around the state. I want to thank over 3.5 million Hoosiers who are vaccinated and getting boosted. You are a big reason our hospital network hasn't collapsed. We know that people getting vaccinated and boosted overwhelmingly stay out of the hospital, stay out of the ICU, and they don't die. If you haven't been vaccinated, I encourage, I plead, I beg of you to speak to your doctor and do so. I say this even if you've disagreed with every position I've taken, because I, I want us both to be around to continue to have those disagreements. He praised hospital workers who he said were under siege with COVID-19 hospitalizations at an all-time high in the state. A special, very special thank you to all those who continue to put others above themselves to continue the battle against COVID. Our hospitals have been under siege. Our healthcare providers are exhausted physically and mentally, as are those taking care of our nursing home residents and students in our schools and our own state health department, quarterbacking it all and everyone supporting them. You all have been operating in overdrive for two straight years. No words, salary, or earthly awards will ever be enough to repay you for the lives that you've cared for and saved. Holcomb seemed most personable when talking about the pandemic. He thanked Indiana residents for their resilience throughout the ongoing public health crisis. And history has shown us time and time again that it is when we're facing the toughest challenges that we can be our best, despite our challenges. This is a time of unprecedented growth, connections, momentum, and opportunity for all Hoosiers. This is our time, Indiana, not just for today, but for decades to come. And that, my friends, is exactly what we're doing. Meanwhile, GOP lawmakers, along with the state's attorney general, are working to end Indiana's public health order. Up next, Futurist Follies on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Are you so anxious to get back to the future that you're always looking for the latest thing? Quite a lot of people are, and quite a lot of other people are trying to swindle them. Case in point. 
solar energy. Putting solar panels on the roof of your house is a big thing these days, and it is, I hasten to say, an entirely legitimate good idea. It can help you stay warm in the winter and reduce your electricity bills year-round. In some cases, you can even sell power to the electric company. There are lots of new houses being built with solar panels in place, and a whole lot of companies that will retrofit your existing house. And there are some ways in which you can get financing or discounts to help pay for it. That said, however, beware. The Ripoff Report has a long list of companies all over the country which do shoddy work or no work at all, or which install cheap equipment, often imported, which simply doesn't work as advertised, or who don't return phone calls and ignore complaints. Some of the worst GONIFs demand an upfront fee and then just disappear with it. If you're looking into solar energy, you need to look real hard. Check any company out online and with the Better Business Bureau, and do your research on the brand and type of solar panels they're offering. Another futurist field which is rife with ripoffs is that darling of the financial markets, cryptocurrency. This is the unregulated, untracked new kind of money that's somehow created out of thin air by using computers. You don't have to be actually using it to get ripped off. The biggest losers are poor fools who have been suckered into investing in it. You actually can make money just by buying and selling cryptocurrencies, like Bitcoin, for example. I personally know a couple of people who have made a bit. Uh, pardon the pun. But the price of Bitcoin can go up or down so fast that the only way to do that successfully is to pay close attention all day, every day, to the extremely volatile market. There are now thousands of these cryptocurrencies, and most of them are outright frauds. Pump-and-dump schemes are common, where someone introduces a new currency, manipulates the price to go up like a rocket, and then sells out and disappears with everybody else's money. The Better Business Bureau has had an avalanche of complaints about people aggressively selling investments in these things, especially on social media, with the usual scammer tactics, promising huge returns for a small investment, and pushing hard for you to act immediately. You have to take your time, do a lot of research, and pay constant attention to have any chance of success. Investing in any cryptocurrency is an extremely risky business, and it could leave you standing in your underwear. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. 
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Nathaniel Weinzapfel, Noel Herhusky Schneider, and myself in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Noel Herhusky Schneider. And I'm Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. And stay tuned for cool solutions, climate action from the bottom up. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio.